from the podcast studio inside the Charleston Tech Center to bring you another episode of the Charleston Digital Corridor Tech Life Podcast. In one of our earliest episodes, episode six, just about a year ago, we spoke with Jonathan Yantis, CEO and co-founder of Charleston PharmaTech startup QuickSort RX. Over the past year, a lot has happened with QuickSort RX, and we thought it would be interesting to bring him back to catch us up and also to talk a little bit about the recent developments in AI technology. This episode is brought to you by the Charleston County Economic Development Department. They're dedicated to recruiting new business, growing existing industry, and improving Charleston's business climate. Visit them to learn more at charlestoncountydevelopment.org. Our guest on this episode of the Charleston Digital Corridor Tech Live podcast is Jonathan Yantis. Jonathan is CEO of QuickSort RX, and I should say a returning guest. This is actually your third time uh, across the different incarnations of the show. The last time we had you on was about a year ago when we had just relaunched the show in partnership with the Charleston Digital Corridor. But it's great to have you back. Thank you, Rich. It's great to be back. So I yeah. uh, love the listener base. So. Yeah. Now, of course, we're going to encourage folks to go back and listen to the previous episode so they get a little bit of that story as well. But to catch people up who didn't listen last time, can you maybe just give a quick snapshot of QuickSort RX, what your mission is, what problem you're solving, what types of customers you serve, and maybe some of the other key members of your team? Sure. So, yeah, my co-founder and I, Matt Habbard, founded QuickSort out of the Medical University of South Carolina. And so our hospital had a really hard time navigating the pharmaceutical market and finding opportunities opportunities to reduce costs. Uh, it's probably worse than managing your taxes. So QuickSort is sort of like TurboTax for the pharmaceutical market for hospitals. And so we make it easy for them to find ways to reduce costs and navigate the market. Uh, since the last time we talked, what are some things that maybe you guys got under your belt that you're especially proud of? I would say in the last year, we have grown considerably. We yeah. doubled our customer base in the last quarter. And so so we have been expanding to hospitals across the country. We're in largest hospital system in Florida. Uh, half of the largest system in California. And so we're really catching our growth phase, scaling phase. And so that's what we've been sort of challenged with lately. Oh, that's fantastic. Now, when we spoke last time, one of the things you mentioned was a challenge that you really had, particularly as a first-time CEO coming from the technology side over to the business side, but a challenge in building out a sales organization and a sales pipeline. How did that go? I mean, apparently, you know, you've, you've doubled, uh, you know, the, the number of customers in a quarter, so you're doing something right. But walk us through sort of how you uh, got to where you got. It, it was a struggle up, up front, right? Yeah. I didn't know how to do sales. I didn't really respect sales. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that probably held me back for a bit. But we really started to catch our stride and figure out what are our customer problem points? What do mm -hmm. they really care about? How can we attach to those, get meetings, and then get them to see our product and what we're doing? So I think our sales organization, we just hired another sales rep this week. And so I think she's going to do fantastic. But a lot of it has also just been our customer success. Our existing mm -hmm. customer base, which was really hard to get those first few customers, have had a blowout success at their hospital and have gone around and started mm -hmm. talking to, every, to everyone else about that's it. Great. And so that, that's probably been the most powerful factor in addition to the financial crisis going on mm -hmm. right now. A lot of hospitals had a lot of COVID funds. Those mm -hmm. have dried up. So the landscape's changed, and we've sort of dialed in our messaging, and we know what resonates with customers, what doesn't, and it's a lot easier, a lot more comfortable. I think a lot of it's just doing it and, you know, with a high level of self-awareness and, like, what went wrong there, what went right, 
and just sort of dialed that in. I, I, I don't know exactly why it's taken off now, yeah. uh, but it's a lot of factors and it's working. <laughs> so the sales mechanics are still a big focus for the company and for you personally? Absolutely. Yeah. And especially training another salesperson now, yeah. what our processes, what's worked. And so doing a lot more analytics and yeah. Salesforce, what's, you know, what's converting, what's mm-hmm. resonating, what's not. So starting to really figure out what's working for us and our sales process. And then how do we sort of systematize that and repeat it? Yeah, that's been a great experience because mm-hmm. things have gotten a little bit easier from that perspective. And then more, it's more customer success scaling and tech scaling and a lot of those other issues now. So yeah, you alluded to some of the learning you're doing as a CEO. Uh, What over the last year has been for you the most significant takeaway or learning, uh, you know, as you've gone through some of these challenges and just the growth that you're experiencing? Like, is there something you can really point to that maybe is something you didn't appreciate prior to stepping into the role that you've really, you know, had to focus on over the last year? Yeah, I didn't expect all this to move so quickly after yeah. moving so slowly, yeah. you know, so that just that sort of ramp up has been intense. Bringing on new employees, like uh, hired our first data scientist this week. They're going to start mm-hmm. in two weeks. So getting the culture together and getting more of these processes in place and everything that we sort of need to get to the next level mm-hmm. that like is not in me anymore, mm-hmm. right? I can't do it all. I've hired some really smart mm-hmm. people, trusting them to get things done, knowing that they'd take a little bit longer than me, <laughs> but that's what has to be done next. And so really just, and then positioning myself to be more visionary and strategic and out there meeting with customers has just been a huge transition. I've been on the road nonstop meeting with health systems. And that's been interesting, balancing a sort of hybrid workforce. We're in the office half the time and then half the time we're on the road. And so all of those things have been maybe expected. I kind of, my gut knew it, Mm. but I didn't, now I'm living it. And so that's just a different, it's just a wild transition. I think last year to this year, it's just unbelievable. So we're trying to be in multiple places at once all the time now. And those are all new challenges from before. It was just like, we'll come out anytime, yeah. have us out. Now it's like, we can schedule you in two months and uh, that's the first time we can get to you. Yeah. So, and that's, that's a different, that's a different world. And then figuring out how to actually speed things up. Yeah. Really, we're super automated as a company. Mm-hmm. So like, how do we only do things once and never have to do it again? Press the yeah. button next time and stay ahead of these scaling issues really top of mind this year. Yeah, those are all good challenges to have. Great challenges to have. It's been a ton of fun. This has been a much more fun year. You know, I'd say before this, the last few years, each year was just like harder, harder, harder. And this has been an incredibly hard year, but this has been a lot more fun this year. You know, those first few years were just a slog. And that's fine. That's kind of how it goes. But it has actually gotten a little bit easier, even though it's gotten way busier. Mm -hmm. That's been surprising probably more than anything as I've kind of gotten into a groove that's been really productive. And so it's been fun. Great. You mentioned bringing on a data scientist, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, obviously a lot of attention in the tech industry and of course the media around artificial intelligence, large language models. Um, What's your perspective as a technologist at heart on sort of the rapidly evolving landscape out there? To me, the uh, large language models, I've been playing with them since Mm -hmm. GPT-2, you know, um, it was harder to access then, but it was clear to me at that Mm -hmm. time something was going on. Still shocked me by the pace of it. You know, the one that shocks me the most, I was just talking to someone, mid-journey, you know, there's the team of people, I think they launched in February of 22. Their images look terrible. They've got a team of like Mm -hmm. 10 people. Mm -hmm. And a year later, they're winning photo contests. And it's just unbelievable the progress in this space. I think it may be the greatest tool ever invented by humans. Uh, Its impacts on society 
I'm a little concerned about. I think a lot of people are. Um, But from a company perspective, these are incredible tools, especially when you pair them with the right people, the right mindset. Mm -hmm. Everyone at the company has, you know, open AI accounts. We're... Mm -hmm. We think this is going to impact every aspect of our business. And really, from from our perspective and a company perspective, it's a competitive landscape. So I may not like it from a macro level or love, mm-hmm. you know, what's happening in AI or the, the impacts. But from a company level, we need to run circles around everyone else. And that is kind of what we're positioning ourselves to do. How do we leverage these tools to do more with each individual person of the company than they've ever imagined possible? You know, I believe that we don't have a a direct marketing manager yet, but I expect to be able to hire an AI marketing manager to run a department out of one person. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just seemingly, and that's kind of what we're already using these tools for. Make me a LinkedIn post, make me all these. That is just going to upend things. And, but we want to figure out because we're so young and at this phase, how do we leverage these tools where maybe a larger company that's got a whole marketing team may not be able to just turn on a dime. We are going to be able to. I can't imagine what's going to happen from here. It's really remarkable. Yeah, you mentioned the marketing piece. What are some other opportunities, maybe even some challenges you think it's going to pose for you as a company, you know, stuff that you're sort of able to talk about? Yeah, I mean, you know, customer success. Seeing that, you know, what GPT-4 has about, I think it's 32,000 tokens it can hold in memory. I saw there's a breakthrough this week where they're going to be able to hold like a million tokens in memory. Why can't we have all the data we've ever generated as a company be available and queryable and generate my next post and respond to this customer? We know that's coming. We're trying not to be too early on certain pieces because certain folks are going to offer this like Microsoft Mm -hmm. to make it much more accessible. So we don't want to put too much energy up front in some of these things. But at the same time, like the moment it makes sense for us, we're going to adopt these tools. So Yeah, it's great when there's, you know, a couple of big players all in the field Mm -hmm. because there's a greater opportunity to think creatively. I think about different applications where if it's one very specific sort of application or tool out there, you know, there, there tends to be a little bit more uh, closed uh, problem space that, mm-hmm. that you can play around in. But, you know, between, you know, Microsoft and Google and, you know, everybody that's in the field right now, um, you're seeing a lot of different expressions of yes. the underlying technologies that then creates a bigger playing field for different possible applications of it. Absolutely. And I think what's really remarkable is it surprised me is the local models, the sort mm-hmm. of local llama stuff. Facebook mm-hmm. released their llama models out mm-hmm. on the Internet. And I'm actually able to run a pretty decent model on my current laptop, Mm -hmm. which sort of blows my mind. Mm -hmm. But it's hard to say. There's just so much happening. Like you disconnect for a couple days. The amount of announcements Mm -hmm. and things is just remarkable. I do believe it's going to be dispersed a lot more than I originally thought maybe a couple months ago Mm -hmm. to open source models Mm -hmm. and some other capabilities outside of these mega companies Mm -hmm. with their hundreds of billions of dollars. So, And I hope that that also happens. So, Yeah. Now, you get an interesting perspective I'm curious about as, like I mentioned earlier, technologists at heart, but now as CEO, how do you look at emerging technologies? Like it's AI right now, LLM right now, yep. you know, recently it was blockchain and, and some other technologies. But how do you look at these emerging technologies to determine what's ultimately could be accretive to the business right. versus what might be a distraction, even if it's potentially useful, an unnecessary uh, pivot that might take you away from your goals? 
you know, I just trust my gut. And mm-hmm. I actually spend a lot of time just exploring ideas, exploring things. I, I don't just spend all my time just thinking about the company mm-hmm. or work. So I've always been someone who explores a lot of different ideas, reads widely. Crypto never appealed to me. Mm-hmm. You know, it just sort of seemed like an outgrowth of this is the next big thing. Mm-hmm. But is it? To me, immediately, this is like, this is it. This is going to change the world. This is the greatest technological revolution, I think, probably since the internet, maybe since electricity, who knows? History will tell. But it is crystal clear to me that this is going to change the world. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you uh, you talked about some you know potential macro societal level mm-hmm. challenges that the technology might present. How about as a business? You know, certainly there's a lot of greenfield in terms of opportunity. But what do you look out there that might be a risk? Not necessarily a risk in using the technology, but a risk you know to your business that you know maybe somebody disrupts the industry completely thanks to some of these technologies. Yeah, I am a little concerned about that, but I also want to be the one that does that. Yeah. So so we want to be the ones that leverage these tools first and figure out how to do it. I don't know how a lot of these companies are going to adapt quickly, right? Let's say you've got a whole marketing department. You don't necessarily need all those copywriters and graphics Mm -hmm. artists anymore, which is actually really sad from a societal Mm -hmm. level from those folks that focus in those areas. But the truth is you don't. So how quickly is that competition? If your competitor then lets go of a bunch of people and can optimize and actually deliver better service, well, then it's a price Mm -hmm. war. And then if you're not adopting So in this competitive environment Mm -hmm. that we're in in this country, like, I just don't know. You're going to have to compete. Mm -hmm. And we'll see. We'll see. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting. You know, particularly there's a lot of talk about certain roles and across different verticals, different industries that that might become less in demand because of the technology. But another way of looking at it is it could actually just... (laughs) transform the the sort of needs or the requirements for serving in those roles. Because, you know, yeah. with my exploration with some of these technologies is what you get out of it is only as good as what you put into it. And so prompt engineering mm-hmm. and thinking about prompt engineering, how it may differ for marketing versus how it may differ if you're an engineer you know, wanting to use ChatGPT to, you know, help you with, with some programming tasks. I think it might, you know, like we see a lot in over history of, over the history of industry, when new technologies emerge, you know, the initial thought is, well, this is going to make a lot of folks redundant. What it really does is You're create right. a, a need to adapt and evolve the skill sets. There's definitely going to be a mix of that. And, and I guess, but it's also terrifying again, because it's so easy to generate marketing content yeah. and email outreach. How many more emails am I going to start yeah. getting? <laughs> how, how many? How much more of this sort of noise is going to be generated by these tools? You know, it's like, hey, we used to post once a day. Now we're going to post 12 times a day. Mm-hmm. You know, like, so how much of that's going to, how much noise is going to be created by this? And how are, how are companies then going to break through that noise? Yeah. Like, is it going to break email marketing? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, you know, I don't know. It seems already, already email marketing yeah. is mostly broken. But these sorts of trends, I think they're definitely going to go the other way too. Because we can crank out post after post after post, yeah. you know, all on brand, written in our language, con- there's definitely going to be a mix. There's obviously prompt engineering and things like that. But my gut tells me that this time will be different uh, mm-hmm. because of the speed of adoption and mm-hmm. impact. I think there's going to be that sort of lull before people figure out, oh, I can be a prompt engineer now. And now I'm going to study prompt mm-hmm. engineering, go into prompt engineering. Well, there's, I, this is moving so fast and technology has always created new jobs. 
but this is moving so fast. I'm not sure about it. So it's just I'm not sure about it. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, the one thing I found fascinating with sort of the recent attention on AIs and LLMs is the amount of engagement there is sort of at the consumer level, more mm-hmm. so even than you know at the business level. You've got folks wanting to explore these technologies who wouldn't have gotten a blockchain with a ten foot long pole, right? Mm-hmm. And so you know I'm curious to see sort of what comes out of that, and there are whole new directions and. To me, that's what's fascinating about being in technology is things never sort of proceed linearly. They never evolve necessarily mm-hmm. as the way most folks plot out they will. And it's just fascinating to be along for the ride. It, it is. And I, I honestly feel like for the last 20 years, like there hasn't been as much technological progress mm-hmm. as like people like to say. I just don't think there has been. This is just, I mean, it is an order of magnitude change. Mm-hmm. And I think for most people interact with it once, ask it some crazy question, Mm -hmm. and the answers that come back immediately convert people Mm -hmm. to believers. I mean, and so, you know, with the crypto, you had to see that vision of how the world could change with crypto. But it's not there yet. And it's questionable whether it'll get there. Here, it's just like, boom, that immediate answer, it's mind-blowing in many ways. Now, I'm more used to it now. I use it constantly every day. But it is my research assistant, report writer, press release. I mean, it's phenomenal. So. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, you talk about sort of the pace of, of technology over the past 20 years. And there's been a lot of advancement, but it's tend to have been more incremental advancement building off of sort of existing models, you mm-hmm. know, making them more efficient, more rich experiences. What feels different about what we're experiencing now is it breaks a lot of the mental models yes. that folks have. Um, you know, I, I, now I may sound like the, the grandparent who's struggling to use a cell phone, but like one of the challenges I found at first using it was... I was trying to interact with it like I might interact with a search engine, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And it's very different. Right? The the broader you are, the actual less valuable results you're going to get as opposed to, you know, in a search engine, you want to be sufficiently broad in your, your uh, search terms. With this, the, the more specific you mm-hmm. are, the better quality output that you tend to get. And that's a big mind shift for folks who've been sort of weaned on browsers for the past 20 years. Right. Yeah. yeah. You tell it exactly what you want and it gives you exactly that. Yeah. And, and you know, that is fascinating about the precision of your own language. You know, yeah. I thought it was pretty good describing things like that. Yeah. But when I use a lot of these models, like using the right words and phrasing things to be very clear to yeah. get the right answers is probably the hardest part of using it, yeah. is open up a lot of new creativity. You know, from a societal standpoint, I've really thought about this. I think it's going to end up a lot like the internet where, you know, I remember the birth of the internet. And I'm, a, I'm a, just a learner. I love mm-hmm. to learn constantly. I'm like, everyone's going to be like me and they're just going to teach themselves everything they can and become smarter. Mm-hmm. And I think most people are going to use it to cheat on tests and, and to get by and things like that. And society will mm-hmm. have to adapt to that. A few people are going to use it to become much smarter, Uh, but I think a lot of people are going to use it to skate by. And Mm -hmm. so uh, I think it'll end up much like the Internet has, which is most people want to be entertained and not have to do repetitive work. And if it can do their job for them, they'll get away with that as long as possible. But from a research perspective, you just want to learn more about the world. You want to know the history of things. And it's unbelievable. So I think it's going to probably increase inequality on, on an incredible level, sadly. And I think we'll have to figure out how to deal with that. I think, you know, that's what's interesting about OpenAI. They're the biggest supporter of UBI, yeah. you know, universal basic income. Should tell you a lot about how they mm-hmm. think about the future. Yeah. So, <laughs> exactly. so we'll see. And there's probably not too many folks like this out there, but if there was somebody out there who really hasn't been exposed to this at all, where's some good places for them to start? 
Uh, if they want to learn about AI, mm -hmm. I mean, I would say a combination of OpenAI itself mm -hmm. and Twitter. It can teach you everything you want to know. You want to understand what are tokens? Mm -hmm. What are the? What are what are all these things? How does uh, how do LLMs work? Mm -hmm. Ask the chat. Mm -hmm. It is the best explainer, quickest way to learn. And it's so funny how many people come to me now, just in the past couple of months, and um, they they want they expect me to have the best answer for them. Yeah. And I'm like, you should ask the chat, ask the chat. And I would say, if you want to learn about AI, let it teach you about AI. I don't know of a better place. I wouldn't go to Google and mm -hmm. search for a bunch of articles written by who knows what. I'd just ask it. And that's what I love about it. Like, I don't understand this concept. R explain that to me like I'm five years old. Boom, it does it. And you have your answer. And like, that's the best way to learn about it is to use it and ask it to teach you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and I'll give, you know, one of the sort of breakthrough insights I had myself using it was, you know, you can take the results of one prompt and feed it back. You can ask it to give you a good prompt to get some type of result you're looking at. And that type of sort of recursion is is just fascinating to me. And, and it, you know, I wouldn't, it wouldn't have occurred to me to try to do that. But but there it is. Yeah, there's a lot of potential for recursive AIs. Of course, once it gets lost and you see the auto GPT and it's got some great examples when it works, but it sort of compounds problems if it mm -hmm. starts making mistakes. So, But it can also check itself. So all of that's sort of fascinating, but really right now for us, like how can we apply it right now? Like I need a script to clean up this directory of files and mm -hmm. blah, you know, I'd have to go search. Go, it's like, mm -hmm. it comes out in two seconds to put it in production and we're moving on. That's great. That kind of stuff is fantastic. Uh, I experiment a lot, but also just from uh, using it, all of our developers using it every day. I don't remember the last time I went to Stack Overflow. That's great. I mean, that's wild. Yeah, that's, that's telling. Just, yep. That's telling. Yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, things are moving fast to me. Companies need to figure out how to leverage these tools as quickly as possible because their competitors are doing the same thing. And those that do, I believe, will run circles around everyone. I do. Jonathan Yantis, CTO and co-founder of Quicksort Rx. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Rich. Well, where can listeners go to learn more about Quicksort? I mean, you can go to our website. We have a blog now. LinkedIn is probably the best place to follow us. And if this is an interesting space for someone, feel free to reach out. You know, submit your resume. Uh, we got lots of people that are interested in working here. But that's the best way to learn, really, LinkedIn. So. That's great. Well, and look forward to having you back on the show in about another year or so. That'd be awesome. <laughs> Thank you, Rich. It's always fun talking with Jonathan. And I hope you enjoyed catching up on the Quicksort RX story. I'm interested to see how they continue to scale and what part AI plays in their operations as they grow. In our next episode, later in June, we'll talk with the co-founder and CEO of Cloud on Tap, a Charleston-based tech services startup that has leveraged the success of Salesforce into a viable business model. I want to thank our sponsor for this episode the Charleston County Economic Development Department. They're dedicated to recruiting new business, growing existing industry, and improving Charleston's business climate. Visit them to learn more at charlestoncountydevelopment.org. As always, I want to give a shout out to Ernest and the team at the Charleston Digital Corridor for making the show possible. Look for the CDC Tech Live podcast wherever you find your favorite podcast. And while you're there, leave us a rating or review and subscribe to the show so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And of course, follow the Charleston Digital Corridor to stay up to date on all of the happenings here in Charleston. Thanks for listening. I'm Rich Conti, and this has been the CDC Tech Life Podcast.